You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all and worship with you. I want to give a special welcome to everyone tuning in with us via the live stream as well. We're so thankful that you're joining us this morning. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vineyard. My name is Jeff, in case we've never met. And we are in the middle of a five-week series called Love Foco, where we're talking about how to best love our city. We're summarizing that by simply saying it's impossible to love your city without loving its people. And so we're going to be navigating five great ways to love the people that God has placed in your life over the next few weeks. But we're starting every message by interviewing a local partner of ours who's doing work in the city that we financially support, that we serve alongside in God's great commission uh, in our city. Last week, a staff member of ours, Terry Farron, was up on stage and we talked about how our church is pressing into a ministry around foster care and adoption services, how we want to be a church that helps families adopt children into their home and care for them. Uh, through foster care, such a, a profound way to join God's heart and his mission in our city. And this week, we have Jen McLean with us, who uh, we've been longtime partners with from Alpha Center. So let's welcome Jen up on stage. Jen, why don't you come up and join me? Like I said, Jen, she's the executive director at the Alpha Center, and we've been partners for a long time, since before I was the lead pastor at this church. And Absolutely. so. Yeah, it's absolutely. been a great partnership. It has been. Uh, Vineyard has been a partner of Alpha Center, I want to say, maybe for the entire 35 years that we've been in, in existence. And uh, we want to say thank you, first and foremost, for that. I think it is because of partnerships with the church that we've been able to withstand kind of the test of time um, and some of the challenges that face a ministry and a nonprofit um, here in town. That is special. I didn't know we were partners with you for that long. Yeah. Our church has been around. We'll, we'll be celebrating our 40th anniversary oh, wow. um, soon, a that's little bit great. a little bit from now. And that's so uh, that's really neat that we've been here that long. Yeah. Introduce yourself to our church and, sure. and tell us a little bit about Alpha Center. Sure. Sure. Well, I'm Jen, as the slide already said, um, and I'm the executive director. And really, it's um, such a pleasure to get to be with you today. I was telling Jeff earlier, this is Really, one of my favorite parts of, of the job that I am called to do is to get to come and be with the church body that supports us. Um, it's just such a such a gift to get to be with you. Uh, I'm a Colorado native. I was born in this beautiful state. And do you have the uh, bumper sticker? I actually have it? the license plate to wow. prove it. So not that's, only am I a native, <laughs> not only am I a native, but I am actually a fifth generation native of this state, and we're all firstborn daughters. Um, and so back in the 18, I think 1850s, our family settled here. So we've got the license plate, which is a big deal. Uh, I tell people I'm a mom to three cats, and that usually gets a good chuckle. They are really great kids. They don't talk back. They're not sassy. It's really wonderful. They just love what I do for them, which is great. Uh, and the Alpha Center, we have, again, been in business. This is going to be, I think, our 36th year of business. We started in 1985, and um, some of us were alive then. Some of us weren't. And uh, we have been having the pleasure of serving our community by providing free services and education related specifically to sexual health care um, here in our community. And we provide those services uh, to anybody and everybody who, who would want them. Um, our services are vast, um, usually a lot bigger than people expect. Um, 
We did start out as a pregnancy center, so most people expect that that's what we still do, and, and we do. We still provide pregnancy services, so we provide uh, what we call pre-abortion screening because we're reaching women who are considering an abortion as part of their decision of what are they going to do uh, with an unexpected pregnancy, and that includes a pregnancy test, an ultrasound, and then um, information about all three choices. You have a parenting choice, you have an adoption choice. I love that you're, that you're partnering with an adoption and fostering group. Uh, and then there is an abortion choice. And so we talk through all of those decisions and we'll bring, uh, we'll bring our patients back up to five different times. Um, just so that they have time to think about what is the best decision for them. It's not our place to provide any sort of pushing or guiding. Our, our goal really is to provide space so that a woman can make her best choice. Uh, we also provide STD screening um, to anybody and any, anybody and everybody in the community who would need that screening. We have a professional counselor, so we'll provide up to six um, professional counseling services to free uh, for free. Uh, to anybody, and so again, that's and that's a leading service. You can call and just access counseling. You don't have to have started out as an STD patient or as a pregnancy patient in order to access our counseling services. And those are our medical services, and, and then we have a whole host of supporting services that kind of um, provide support, obviously, to those who have come either for STD um, pregnancy services or for counseling. And those include parenting services. We have, um, <clears throat> pardon me, a support group that is uh, for women who have experienced miscarriage, early infant loss, or stillbirth. We have a new group that's starting actually this Tuesday that is for single moms who are looking for community, and that meets at the Crossing Church. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a group that we're going to talk about a little bit more in depth um, called Awake for women who have experienced um, abortion in their past. And one thing we love to tell is stories of, of those who we've, who we've served. And this week I shared a story with the church um, of a young woman named Sarah who came to us um, after having had a previous abortion and um, some kind of negative experience and negative um, response to her life at a different clinic in town. And she came to us just, she wanted some space. She wanted to talk about what she was experiencing. She is expecting again. So we did a pregnancy test. We did an ultrasound. And we started to talk with her about her options. And part of our conversation, because we are a Christian clinic, is we want to give our patients the opportunity to talk about faith if they have that experience in their life. And, and through that, she was open to prayer with our, with our nurses and with our intake specialists and um, already has set up a time to meet with our counselor and is already excited about our parenting program and that single moms group that I mentioned and, and Sarah is unique in her, in her response because not all of our patients say yes to prayer. Not all of our patients say yes to counseling and then to the other services. But she really stuck out to us because at each appointment that she's come to, she has been open to and has asked for prayer uh, regarding her, the decision that she's making. Um, and at this point, she's, she's leaning towards a parenting decision. Um, and, and we'll be there for her no matter what her choice is. That's fantastic. And, and one of the things that I've loved about our partnership is I've gotten to know more about you is just the breadth of service like you're talking about. We're talking um, men as well mm -hmm. and, and women. And, and really, we've, we've even explored the option of like helping you throw baby showers yes. for families and things like that who are choosing life and really want to celebrate that and come along yeah. side of you. This is near and dear to my heart. And of course, uh, just celebrating life and making sure yeah. that, that we feel like God is, is just being magnified and all of that as well. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the AWAKE program, because this is really interesting to me and mm -hmm. something that I feel like 
the church hasn't always been able to talk about, but I think is important to continue to minister in all these different facets. So tell us just briefly about the AWAKE program and how that started. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the AWAKE program is, is a program that's a nine-week um, biblically-based curriculum that meets women who have had an abortion experience in their past and are ready to, to talk about it, who are ready to um, maybe reconcile that piece of their life um, back to the Father heart of God. I loved the song we just sang about him coming home and, and that return um, to Christ. And, and I think what we have seen from women who participate in Awake, you don't have to be a believer to come to Awake. Just because it's a biblically-based program doesn't mean that you have to know about church or that you have to even have, be walking with Christ. Uh, we've actually had um, an atheist and a Buddhist come through awake and, and, and share that it was a really positive experience for them because it helped them first uh, forgive themselves for, for the choice that they made. It helped them then to secondly forgive others who maybe influenced that decision. And then it, it did allow them to come to a place of peace. Um, and what we see is we see women truly transformed in that nine weeks. Um, they come in pretty guarded and pretty closed and I would say reluctant maybe to talk about their story. And by the, by the end of the ninth week when they are done and finishing and, and able to, to leave the group, they, they actually want to come back for more and there isn't any more. And so we see many of them form friendships that linger after a week because they've shared an experience that's um, that's deep in their life yeah. and, and is allowing them to move forward in a healthier, more whole fashion. That's fantastic. Uh, and our next group starts, I think, actually in two weeks. So it okay. might not be um, available for anyone at this time, but we will always do um, connections with people and, and um, get you into the next available group because yeah. um, we want women to find that healing if they're looking for it. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I just want to mention to the church, everyone who's here or anybody tuning in on the live stream as well, if you want to learn more about Alpha, if you want to get involved in the ways that we locally serve them, then Terry Farron is your go-to person. She's our ministry coordinator. She'll help connect all the dots in the practical ways that we can serve, the way you can pray for Alpha Center as well. And so, Jen, we're so thankful for your ministry, so thankful for the seeds that you're planting all over the city, scattering them wide, and just trusting that God will, will grow the fruit. Let us pray for you, and then um, we'll jump into the message this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Jen and Alpha Center. Thank you for all that they're doing in the city seen and unseen. God, I pray that you would anoint Jen to continue to share the gospel uh, and continue to pray for folks and, and to be uh, just a nonprofit that is warm and inviting to an already vulnerable and um, precarious time in different people's lives. Would you use Alpha Center to minister with your light and your love in this city? And we're so thankful for her leadership um, and her leadership in our greater community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jim. Well, last week we started the Love Foco series, you'll remember, by talking about the, needing, uh, the need to be filled, how you need to be filled with the love of Christ in order to best love others. And without shame, I confessed before all of you that I am a much better husband and father and pastor and friend when I am 
filled with the love of Christ, that there's just something different about how I engage with people and I engage with my family when I know I've been filled with the love of Jesus. This is something that we all need if we want to love Fort Collins and the surrounding area. We need to be filled with the love of Christ. And so that was last week. This week's message then is titled, Always Pray. Always pray. If you want to love your city, you need to be filled with his love, but you also need to demonstrate that love by being a person of prayer and committing to always praying. Simply put, a praying person changes the world. A praying person changes the world. I decided a long time ago in my life that I wanted to be the type of person that changes and transforms the world. I decided I want to be part of a church that is involved in God's transformational work, both big and small. And since I decided that about myself, I think many of you have decided that about yourselves, that you want to be about changing the world, then this is incredibly important because any real change... Or, or any change that stands the test of time begins and finishes in the place of prayer. And I titled the message, Always Pray, because this phrase is just everywhere in Scripture. It's all over the place, especially in the New Testament. As you begin to thumb through the pages, this phrase pops off and just comes off of the words, always pray, always pray, always pray. So what I want to do is I want to just kind of rapid fire three or four Scriptures in a row, back to back to back to back, so that we can all capture this mega theme and this kind of macro idea of how important prayer was to Jesus and the early followers. First in Luke 18, 1. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. The story was about always praying and never give up. Jesus goes on throughout this story to tell a story about a woman who was crying out for justice. She was crying out for justice, and basically she found a judge, she tracked him down, and she was relentless in her pursuit of justice, day and night asking for justice. And Jesus said, this earthly judge will give her justice, not because he's a godly man, but because she will wear him down with her relentless pursuit. Jesus goes on to say, then how much more will God uh, answer your prayers because he is better than any earthly judge. So always pray and never give up. How about Luke 21 verse 36? Jesus said, keep alert at all times and pray. Keep alert at all times and pray. In this particular passage, Jesus is talking about the end times and how as the, the end draws near, people's love will grow cold. And so it's important for you to stay alert and to always pray. Ephesians 6, 18, rapid fire, like I said, this is what Paul wrote. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. I love how Paul says it. He's just like covering all the bases. Pray all the time. Never give up. Pray for all the believers everywhere. All of them. This is your call. Right? There's so many of these. My, one of my favorites in this whole section is Colossians 4.12. I really love Colossians 4.12. It says this, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you. Asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I love Colossians 4 verse 12 because Epaphras is the kind of guy that I want to be. A friend who always prays. 
a friend who sees the need and always prays for the believers. I want to be like Epaphras, and I want friends in my life like Epaphras who are always praying for me. Don't you want to be a friend like that? The list goes on and on and on, over and over, continually in Scripture. It tells us to always be praying, always be persevering, and always be making our requests known to God, who is faithful to hear and answer in our time of need. When you look at Love Foco and what God is inviting our church into in all these passages, it becomes pretty obvious that if you want to love the people that God has placed in your life, one of the best demonstrations of love is to always pray. And obviously, praying for yourself, that's incredibly important. Right? It is not selfish for you to pray for yourself. Some of us have struggled with that in our life before. It is not selfish for you to pray for God's blessing or presence or breakthrough in your life. You do need to pray for those things. I want to encourage you to pray for yourself. But because we're in this Love Foco series... I want to specifically talk about three challenges, three ways that God might be inviting you to pray for others. Specifically, I want to encourage you, hopefully God will inspire you as we challenge ourselves this morning to pray for three things, to pray for your family, to pray for your church, and to pray for your city. If we could be a church that that adopted these three things, wrote them on our heart, wrote them on our mind, if we committed ourselves to praying for our family, praying for our church, and praying for our city, I promise you that we will be more effective in joining God's mission of the transformation of all things. Pray for your family, your church, and your city. I said it last week, but for most of us, loving your city will start right at home. And so, like the scriptures, let's start with pray for your family, and let me boldly declare, as Paul would in the scripture, to always pray for your family. To always pray for your family. There's a cliche out there. Maybe you've heard it. I don't usually like cliches, but I'm willing to repeat this one because it's so true. The cliche goes like this, a family that prays together stays together. That's how cliche it is. We know this one, right? But I don't mind saying it because it's incredibly true. A family that prays together stays together, right? Your chances of staying together as a married couple go up dramatically if you're willing to sit down, share space, be in close proximity, and pray for one another. But even beyond that, even not even talking about marriage or divorce, talking about spiritual bonding, talking about being on mission together, talking about having a, a dynamic, loving relationship that's, that's deeper than just cohabitating, right? This is cultivated over time when you share space and always pray for one another. Marrieds, can I just say something to you this morning? Nobody can pray for your spouse like you can. Nobody can pray for your spouse like you can. God has given a unique authority in prayer for you to pray for your spouse and vice versa. Nobody can pray for your spouse like you can. If you have kids, it's the same. Nobody can pray for a kid like a parent can. Nobody can do that. So always pray for your family. And you'll notice in those scriptures, if you just reflect on them for a moment, you'll notice that none of them said pray when things are going well or, or, or only pray when love is in the air. It says always pray. Pray when things are going well. Pray when things are going poorly. Pray when you feel distance. Pray when you are in the middle of an argument. Pray when you just got done saying something that you shouldn't have said. Pray. Always pray for your family. Natalie and I have all kinds of these like intense conversations at our house. 
The Faust family, we, sometimes we can thrive on passionate debate. This is code word from a pastor to tell you that we fight. <laughs> we fight. We fight. And like many of you, um, sometimes you fight over the dumbest stuff. Like, how did this even happen? We had a fight last week, and um, I did get clearance that I could bring this up in front of everybody. I'm not very proud of it, but this small fight over the dumbest thing really snowballed on me. It really snowballed. And that's how it happens sometimes like that, right? Like, something so idiotic turns into something way larger than life, and next thing you know, you're looking at each other and like, how did we even get here? I can't believe that came out of my mouth. And look, I'm kind of a recovering control freak. And I sometimes have really high expectations, and so that doesn't bid well all the time for our marriage. My wife, don't let her fool you, don't let her sweet singing voice and pastoral heart fool you, her words, with permission, so you don't have to squirm and get anxious, she, she has been known to be quite stubborn. Quite is another code word, by the way. So you've got a recovering control freak who has really high expectations, who's married to someone who can be fairly stubborn, and this is a recipe for conflict. It happens in your marriage too. Don't pretend like it doesn't. It happens in all of ours. But God says, always pray. Always pray. Yes, when things are going well, but also when things are going poorly. We fight, and sometimes it snowballs. This fight that I was telling you about, it was over an appointment, and when it should be made. I swear, I, sw I swear I said a particular time and she swears she heard me say a different time. That was the fight. That, right? Like, how does that turn into, do you, are you, do you even listen to me at all, ever? Right? I literally said, you have got to be crazy if you think I said that time forgetting that I could actually have been the crazy one that thought I said one time but said another. This is the reality. This happens in all of our lives. But the Bible says always pray. Conflict is never an invitation to prove something to your spouse or to make sure that you are on the winning side of that argument, no matter how competitive we can be. It's an invitation to prayer. Conflict invites you to share space still in those moments. It is the best time to interrupt your life. When conflict is happening, interrupt it with prayer. And sometimes it's hard in the moment when tension is high. But the quicker you can interrupt conflict with prayer, the better off you'll be. Or the shorter the distance from conflict to talking, the, the shorter that is and it's involved with prayer, the better it's going to be for your relationship. You know how hard it is to say something to your spouse that you shouldn't say out loud when you know you're about to sit down with them, lay your hand on, your back, on their back and pray for them. It's really hard to say something bad when you know you're about to share space, lay hands on your spouse and pray for them. And I don't, I don't mean like the prayers that you know we secretly all want to pray, like, Lord God, help Natalie be more patient with me. <laughs> help her to see it the way that I said it, right? Not those prayers, like, but earnest, genuine prayers. God, thank you for Natalie. Thank you that she is hungry for the Lord. Would you increase that hunger? Would you, would, you, would you, as she opens the word of God, would you help the words just come alive to her heart? Give her a revelation. 
Give her fascination with the person of Jesus. Would you anoint her to share the gospel? Would you help her parenting? Would you anoint her to lead worship? God, would you pour out your spirit in her life? You know how hard it is to stay angry when you're laying your hands on your wife and praying for her? Or wives, when you're laying your hands on your husband and praying for them? This is God's gift to us, to always pray. To always pray. Our prayer life has influenced how we do conflict in such dynamic ways. And I want to tell you this morning, if your marriage is struggling, commit to always praying for your spouse. If your marriage is great, we celebrate with you. But particularly if your marriage is struggling right now, share space. Lay hands on one another and pray for each other and bless each other. I promise you it will transform your marriage, and and pray out loud for them. Let them hear your prayers. If you don't know what to say, I, I, I say it all the time, just copy the prayers of the Bible. Use the prayers in the good book and pray those prayers over your spouse. If you don't know the prayers of the Bible, email me. I'll send you a huge list of prayers from the Bible. If you don't want to do that, then just stumble through it. I promise you, praying poorly is better than not praying at all. And you will like the way you're praying for your spouse more than the way that you weren't praying for them before. So commit to sharing space and praying for your spouse. If your spouse won't pray with you, ask them. Tell them how meaningful it would be for you. And if they're not a believer, it's okay. You don't have to force them to pray for you. Just ask if you could pray for them. And guess what? If they say no, you can still, you don't have to force it. You can still go into the quietness of your own bedroom and pray in secret and your Father in heaven will hear you. It'll begin moving in you and moving in your home. If you're dating, if you're not married and you're dating, I would encourage you to pray with whoever you're dating. It's vulnerable. It's vulnerable to pray with the person you're dating. But if you'll pray together now before you're married, you'll be building a foundation that will start your marriage in prayer. Right? And while praying, you might learn a lot about that person. You might learn whether or not you want to marry that person. If you're single, you can start praying for your future spouse right now. It's good to pray. If you, if you have the desire to be married and you're single, it is good and okay for you to pray, God, would you send a spouse into my life? I want to be married. It's, that is a good prayer. But even more, I think even maybe a better prayer would, begin to, would be to begin praying for that person like you already know them. Pray blessings on them. Ask God to anoint them with, with hunger for the word of God and, and to have them find themselves in a place of prayer. Help them fight temptation and, and be part of a church community. Pray these blessings blessings on this person before you even meet them. And then when you start dating, and if you do end up marrying that person, you'll have actually a foundation of prayer covering over that person already. Praying for your spouse is so important. It's so vital to the transformation of our marriages and consequently the transformation of our city. But if we're going to talk about praying for a family, we also need to talk about praying for your kids. I I said it earlier, it's worth repeating. Nobody can pray for a child like their parent. Parents, please pray for your children. Nobody has spiritual authority in in your kid's life like you do as a parent. It is good for them to hear you pray. They need to see you pray for your spouse, and they need to see you pray for them. Put your hand on their heart. Put your hand on their back and bless them. 
Pray for them and bless them. When kids experience your faith, it helps them form their own. When they see your faith, it helps them form their own. Brian McLeese, who's a, a member of our church and someone I look, look up to in a lot of ways, gave me this quote. He actually got it from a friend of his named Lane Bressler, who lost both of his parents in tragic ways. He said, you have to remember, you're not just raising your kids, but you're raising the person who's going to raise your grandkids. You're not just raising your kids, you're raising the people that are going to raise your grandkids. And so as you demonstrate your faith to your children, you're modeling to them what they're someday going to do in their family. And when those grandchildren come to visit you, the faith that they have is going to be part of the ministry tree that you created in your own home. Natalie and I pray for our kids every day. Every day. We don't have uh, a lot of parenting wins. Sometimes it feels like in the span of a week, we have as many losses as we have wins. But I'm telling you, this is one where, where we have just built our parenting on this truth, that praying for your children will transform them. And so we pray for our kids every single day. We'll either go into their room one-on-one -on -one and we'll pray for them out loud. We'll lay our hand on their chest or their back and we'll pray for them and we'll bless them every single day. And if that doesn't happen, so we'll meet in the hallway and we'll all pray for each other. We'll pray for them and we'll ask them to pray for us. I like alliterations. I'm kind of nerdy like that. So we call it a holy hallway huddle. <laughs> this is what we do. And I'll open up scripture. We'll read a story and like everybody prays on the person to your left. Or everybody prays for this child. Or can you pray for dad? Can you pray for mom? Because see, it's not only important in the formation of their own faith, but it's important for us as a family. Now we're spiritually bonding together. We're staying on mission together. And, and I'm not sharing that because it's like always super spiritual. Most of the time, just to be honest, it doesn't feel very spiritual at all. You get into the consistent rhythms of prayer, it becomes less and less frequent where you're like blasted with the spirit of God and you're feeling the goosebumps and you're just enraptured in his presence. Most of the time when we pray for our kids, it doesn't feel very spiritual. I don't have special words to pray. And sometimes it's actually quite short because it's getting close to bedtime and the kids are exhausted. And if we pray too long, then they're going to throw a fit and we don't want fits associated with prayer. And so we're going to keep it short. But it's consistent. It's together. And God works in the long process of consistent things time and time again. You don't always see the work in one prayer session, but over a year, that's 365 shared prayer times together as a family. That's incredible. And that year stacked on another year stacked on another year adds up. God's slow work of the kingdom begins to transform you from the inside out. Always pray for your family. Next, I want to invite you to pray for your church, to pray for your church, to pray for your family and to pray for your spiritual family. In the New Testament, there are a lot of red letters written by church planters back to their churches. I like this one from Hebrews 13, 18. The writer, the, the, the Christian leader writes this, pray for us, for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything that we do. This is the author of Hebrews, who's a prominent Christian leader, writing to his people, and he's asking for prayer. And, and when I read that, I, I just can't help but humbly ask and humbly request our church. Will you hear me this morning? Will you, will you pray for us, please? 
Pray for us. Pray for us as pastors. It is, we don't talk about this very often as pastors because we don't want Sunday to be about us, but it, it is sometimes really hard to be a pastor. The spiritual warfare of being a spiritual leader is real and oftentimes tangible. And we need your prayers. We need your prayers. I don't, there's not a pastor on staff, there's not a staff member on our team that wouldn't say they love their job and they do it with honor and, and humility and joy and gratitude almost all of the time. But I'm telling you, the spiritual warfare is also real. And it shows up in odd places. So pray for us. And don't just pray for us, but like pray for us. Pray for the entire spiritual family. Pray for the people in, you, in your small group. Pray for the people in this room that you know and that you see. Pray for the people that you don't know. Pray for the people that you haven't seen in a while in our church. Pray for them. Cover them in prayer. God works through prayers. I don't know why he set it up that way, but in his economy, he enlisted us to be part of a, a prayer army that would cover one another in prayer. Like Paul said, pray for all believers everywhere and start right here. Pray for the person you're sitting next to. Pray for us it will influence and it will transform our church from the inside out. Here's a real practical tip for you. Some of you are going to like it. Some of you are going to hate it. You can do whatever you want with it. Try making, try making a list. Try making a list of how you're going to pray and who you are going to pray for. Some of you like are nodding your head. You already have the prayer list at home. You're like, oh yeah, this is good. It's preaching. And some of you are like, prayer list. This is me, by the way. I hate lists. The very fact that first time somebody told me to make a prayer list, it almost made me want to do the opposite thing and not pray at all. Because remember, I'm a recovering control freak. Lists feel oppressive to me. So if Natalie comes to me with a list of what we want to do today, I walk the other way. I don't like lists. But I'm also a utilitarian kind of thinker, and I want to find out what works. And, and just over the span of my life, I started noticing that the people who have prayer lists tend to pray a little bit more than the people who don't. And the people who tend to pray a little bit more tend to see more of God's activity in their life. And I'm desperate for more of God's activity in my life. And so I made a list. And I started praying through the list. It's on my phone. It's really original. It's called prayer list. And I know that I haven't updated it very while if it starts to get towards the bottom of my phone list. And on that list is this church. On that list is my family. On this list is everybody that I personally disciple. If God lays you personally on my heart, your name gets added to that list, and I try to be faithful. I'm not always faithful and consistent. I don't always use that list to pray, but it's so helpful. And, and at first, I just, I didn't want it at all. It felt restrictive and almost too methodical. And I tried to use really spiritually sounding excuses, like it's not free-flowing or spirit-led. And then I realized, that's a false dichotomy. There, there's no thing, there's no biblical verse that says lists and the Holy Spirit can't work together. Why couldn't they work together? And then I just started to notice in my own life that I often pray more when I pray with a list. And so... Maybe it's time for you to try a list as well. This is just so important to me. This is so important to me. If we're going to build a church together that's marked by spiritual maturity and health, I want to do it on the person of Jesus Christ through the place of prayer. 
I love strategy. I'll have strategy meetings. I love it. I'll pour a cup of coffee and we'll chart out the course. But I want it to be baked and built and placed on the foundation of Jesus Christ and built through the place of prayer first and foremost. Always, always, always prayer. Our upcoming vision night, which happens in a couple of Wednesdays, Wednesday, January 19th, 6.30, right here in this room. We do a vision night every year to talk about the trajectory of our church in the coming year. I'm going to share more about how we feel like God is inviting our church to become a place of prayer, and I would love to see you there and to sign up for some of these initiatives that we're going to talk about that night. Final point, pray for your city. Pray for your city. You might be the only person who prays for your neighbors. You might be the only person who prays for your neighbors. You might be the only person who prays for that teacher or your classmates or, or that person at the gym that you always see because you frequent it time and time again. You might be the only person praying for those folks. Jeremiah 29.7, the verse that started this entire Love Foco series says this, work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is a fascinating text. If you don't know the book of Jeremiah, it's really interesting because the people of God are actually being sent as slaves and exiles into a foreign land, and they're going to live in a city named Babylon. It's a literal city that was marked with incredible evil. And God is saying, when you go there, and when you're being oppressed and living as slaves in this foreign land, pray for the capital of that empire. That had to be excruciating to hear initially. But this was their calling. And if it was their calling then, then I think it's appropriate for us to take up the same charge, to pray for the city where we live. Stack your habits on top of each other if it helps. So one of the things that I do is when I go out for a walk, when I go to get the mail, or if you walk your dog, then pray for every house that you pass. If you go to the gym at the same time, on the same day, Start to notice the people that you see and pray for them. If you drive past other churches, bless them when you drive past them. Ask God to anoint them to preach the gospel and to share the word of Christ with many. There are a lot of good churches in this city. Pray for them. Bless them. We have no idea what God might do through your prayers for this city. I want to close this morning with just a quote from Charles Spurgeon, who is a 19th century pastor and writer. He's he's written a lot of incredible things. He wrote this, consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are both after it. And when you think about that, when you think about that quote, you think that God and the devil are both after the same person. And then you look at the scriptures and you look at what Paul wrote and you look at what Jesus wrote where he said that, hey, one of your, one of your biggest mechanisms of love, one of your biggest weapons against the schemes of the enemy, one of the biggest things that you can offer to a hurting world around you is your prayer life. Then all of a sudden, we begin to join God's mission in transforming all things in a different kind of of way. Your prayers will do incredible things. It will bless others with the presence of God. It will move mountains because of small amounts of faith. It can strengthen bones and heal bodies and mend relationships and save marriages. It can do big things and it can do small things, but never underestimate the power of a praying person. So I want to call you to it, and I pray that God will inspire you to it, to pray for your family, to pray for your church, and to pray for our city. Amen.